Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Maven Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirates, my favorite sportscaster and public affairs guy. Hi, Joe. Hello, how you doing there? And our guest today is Renee Amador. And I'll tell you, if you guys ever seen, you know, anything going on in TV or anything like that, special effects, the first thing you think is green screen. I mean, working in a TV station, you had your weather people standing in front of a green screen doing the weather. But now Renee and his company have taken it one huge step further. We're talking interactive reflection technology. So instead of just standing in front of a green screen and, you know, pointing to something, you're actually going to have that object standing right there with you in a virtual. Okay, Renee, welcome to me to Maven's podcast. You are a friendly face. And I know people want to know about AR Wall and Joe has some tremendous questions for you, but I am just going to cut to the chase talking about the green screens and pointing. Let's talk M&Ms. People need something happy on a Wednesday afternoon. Tell us what AR does and let's talk about the M&Ms AR thing you guys did in Vegas before COVID. Wow. So first off, thank you for the amazing intro. It's very nice to be associated with such a fresh and innovative industry. I've been really lucky to be one of the leaders in the space for virtual production and then um, getting into augmented reality and uh, extended reality for location-based entertainment. So thank you, Sarah and Joe, for having me. Just to get right in there, Sarah, I think what you're talking about is the augmented reality kiosk experience that we built out for M&M's World in particular. So M&M's World, for those that aren't aware, is the retail brand uh, for M&M's. And of course, it's a lot of fun to go in there. If you, obviously, if you like eating M&M's, you're going to love the way that it's, the store smells because it, it, it hits you right as you walk in, just like what you would imagine, you know, like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would smell like from just walking in there, just a rich, earthy smell. And um, so what we did was for the M&M's World in Las Vegas, which is right next door to the MGM Grand, if you're familiar with the strip, on the fourth floor, what they had was a few photo experiences where you could come in and to take a photo against a green screen, take a photo against uh, different statuettes and that type of thing. But they didn't have anything that was interactive and they didn't have anything virtual or AR or XR or anything like that. So what they asked us to do was to build out an experience for them in which people would get to know the M&M's characters and then use an AR game and actually would be an interactive screen that they would walk up to. It's about a one minute experience, what we uh, built for them and reportedly had a line almost consistently when this screen was up during the holiday season in 2019. That was a massive success. And I think their goals specifically were to get people into the store associating the M&M's brand with virtual experiences with AR and XR and that type of thing. They found, I think they found that if they get people even spending one minute more in the store, that ends up being, you know, X amount of additional revenue per uh, customer. So those metrics were really important to them, making sure that this was something that was attractive. So we were the featured experience during the holiday 2019 season at M&M's World in Las Vegas. 
And that was tremendous success. Basically, the way that it worked is you, hopefully there was no line, but if there was, you would wait in line uh, no more than a minute or two. And then you or a group of people, up to six people actually, could walk in front of this interactive screen and basically play a game similar to Tetris, which falling objects, but of course, relating to the M&M's characters. And then afterwards, you actually could walk away with an AR photo of yourself and the M&M's characters. So there was a mobile component that went with it as well, and which uh, continued the relationship onto mobile for AR on mobile. So that was a really exciting project. And unfortunately, what happened was right at the end of it, the pandemic hit. And we're not able to uh, continue with that project, as well as a number of other retail and location-based entertainment projects. However, during the run, we actually were competing at CES for Best AR Experience at the Dreamland XR uh, program series at CES. And we happened to win that. And uh, we're very proud of that. Uh, That was not only for the M&M's world experience, but also for our general platform, ARWell Interactive, which was used to build the M&M's world experience, which is our our actual product, right? If you think of it, there's there's an operating system and there's kind of template systems to do, you know, websites and to do smart TV apps and that type of stuff. But there's nothing right now really for interactive AR XR experiences. So we're seeing an opportunity to build out that type of system and platform for other developers to create this type of content for, and also to make it really easy for brands like M&M to build out these types of experiences in the future. No, it's really, you're really taking that experiential marketing to a whole new level because the M&Ms was the experience. People wanted that brand experience. I mean, the brands wanted for sales, cross sales and distribution, but fans want that experience that's going to entertain them, make them feel good, come back for more, which is why M&Ms was so successful. I personally think that you should do it for the minions. They have a, the minions an experiential AR, just like in the M&Ms. Got great ideas for you, Renee, but we don't have that much time on this podcast. But going back to the green screen, because I know you and Joe talked a little bit offline here about the green screens. And Joe has a tremendous broadcast background. So I know the conversation went a little towards the techie side, but you got some big stuff coming up. Besides, you know, obviously you're not in retail anymore, but you've done some tremendous projects in the past, which I think where we kind of had to stop and get going on the podcast. So the Watchmen, right? Yes, I brought that up. I saw that uh, they had a virtual experience with the cast of the Watchmen. And the, I was going to say uh, X-Men, so I'm, good thing I got my yeah, titles right. Right. No. And I just thought that was amazing because you would see the actor in front and there would be something going on behind them to the side of them, which was amazing. And and I just think something like that, it's great marketing, but also it gets people involved into the actual character. Instead of just looking at a poster, you're looking at the person in the element. You've got it. And actually, that was a project we did specifically for HBO Marketing, which was uh, the distributor for the Watchmen series. Just to be clear, it's the new Watchmen series, the one that won a bunch of Emmys, I might say, uh, just Uh a couple of nights ago. And we're really, really proud of, of just even being associated with the brand at all. It's a really great show. I happen to be a big fan of Watchmen in general, the the original graphic novel, and of course, the Zack Snyder version. Um, So this show was something that I personally was anticipating a lot. And the request that HBO Marketing had was basically this. You know, the world of Watchmen, it's so fantastic and it's so spectacular. 
it's it's a world that these actors and this crew lives in for months, right, during the production. But then there's this gigantic break, you know, six months sometimes. It's just this huge break where they're not living in this world at all. And then they show up to the screening and it's all a bit alienating just because there's this big time break. And wouldn't it be amazing to bring the world of Watchmen, you know, the actual universe of Watchmen to the premiere so that they could have that sensation again of being in the Watchmen world. And if they have that sensation, wouldn't it be cool for fans and other folks to have that feeling as well? Just basically ripping the Watchmen universe off the screen and trying to put it, you know, and what we actually did was put it on the Hollywood sidewalk. We were right in front of the Cinerama Dome. For those of you familiar with the Hollywood, that's at the Arclight Hollywood. So we were right there. For me, it's a big moment because that's, I think, exactly where Stanley Kubrick did his famous Cinerama Dome interview for uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. So I'm a fan of that specific theater and that specific spot in the world. So we did it right there. Definitely the first time that this virtual production technology has ever been set up on the Hollywood sidewalk. I can say that for, for dang sure that's the case. And then what we were doing is tracking the camera movement and displaying a window into the world of the show with the actors standing in front of it. And in addition to the cast and crew, Trent Reznor, of course, Regina King and, and all, the, all the rest of the stars. Let me ask you, does it help being a fan of it to bring it to life? Or do you want to have somebody from the outside bring their vision in? <laughs> it always helps when you're a fan. You know, showrunners and producers, of which technically I am one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a producer myself. You know, we're fickle people and we love it when somebody loves us. Uh, of course. So I think, you know, anytime that we're a super fan of a project, we tend to get it because just, you know, they can see us gushing that extra amount. And then, of course, we're often telling them about the ideas that we have about the show and what could be really cool. And that's always a big help because they don't need to explain, you know, why this ship or this character or this scene is important or interesting. We've got it and we understand it and we're trying to realize it as much as we possibly can. So, you know, I'm personally a fan of M&Ms, also a fan of Watchmen and science fiction and fantasy in general. So that tends to be where a lot of our projects are coming from. Let me follow up with that. It seems like the ability to make those virtual realities, they, they've become cheaper to do. Are we seeing yeah. more, going to be more shows coming out where they're going to be using that more of the science fiction fantasy stuff? Because I know that CBS has put a, a ton of money into the uh, Star Trek reality now, mm -hmm. the versions of that. Now, are you guys going to be doing anything with that? But I mean, it's just amazing what you guys can do now. Sure. So I'll give you my answer as an industry professional, as a virtual production professional, and then I'll give you my answer as a fan. What you're seeing right now is a retooling of the entire entertainment industry, particularly when it comes to TV, the specific constraints that are out on television at the moment. They're moving towards virtual production for two main reasons. One is because they can't go to the location, right? They actually can't go to the forest or, or whatever. And two is, is because it reduces the staff on set. Yeah, so it's a big consideration right now. I think, I don't know what they're capping it at for most productions, but it's like 10 or 15 within a certain area at once. So that's a, that's a very small number. And if you can eliminate the carpenters and the set dressers and, and, and that army of art and production folks that are on set, 
conceivably that's a way to eliminate, you know, 10 people or something like that and replace them with maybe one. And then you have a couple of people working remotely. So virtual backlots and virtual sets and set extensions, it's really seeing a heyday right now. And I would say probably 50% of any uh, project that's rolling towards start date right now, it actually has a start date in mind, is 100% considering virtual production technology. And there's another component as well, which is that, you know, green screen has achieved some amazing effects in on film and television, but it is an imperfect process. And there's quite a few people in the industry that are not happy with the green screen look, with the green screen workflow, the fact that it has this large time gap between when the shot is started and completed. So with LED backdrops and in-camera backdrops, which is where the, the space that we've pioneered, that's all in-camera and you walk away from set with the final pixel, the final shot. And, and that's significant because it, especially now, it's a cost reduction and a time reduction, a staff reduction. So that's my answer as a, as a professional. Now, as a fan, specifically in the Star Trek universe, I happen to be a huge fan. There's the shift that happens where the view screen that the bridge, the command bridge is looking out of is no longer a screen, which it was, for example, in Next Generation, I think also in Deep Space Nine, maybe in Voyager as well, uh, where it was an actual TV that they were looking at that was uh, giving them the sensation of looking out of a window. But in the new shows, it's an actual window, it's actual glass, and then they have a UD. A graphics overlay. So that's a really, really good use case for this technology. And in fact, most of the work that we've done and where we've made most of our money is being inside of a spaceship and looking at that spaceship. Now, I can't comment on any upcoming projects that haven't been released or that we haven't been announced to be in association with. But I definitely think when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy, it's going to continue to be the focus of this technology and, and accomplishing those shots. And people will be able to do this at home because I know that AR Walls now has a consumer version that's going to be coming out soon. That's right. And this was actually the number one request that we were getting in the summer during this pandemic, which is, um, gosh, people don't want to come into the studio, but we'd still love to have them, you know, seem like they're in the studio or seem like they're you know, let's say on the floor of Congress or in the Oval Office or in a forest or on the beach or something like that. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could use their existing TVs or projectors or whatever the case may be to make it seem as if they're there? Eliminating green screen from that equation is significant because it's complicated, right? It's complicated to do green screen. But if I tell you, set up a camera so that it's pointing at your TV and then stand in front of that, that's pretty dang simple, and most people are able to accomplish that. So this home studio product is called ARFX Home Studio. It's basically a simplification of our professional virtual backdrops tool that you just use your own camera, your own TV or projector, and it is a very high-end graphics workstation that you just plug in through HDMI to your TV, and then you control it very much like a smart TV app. The difficulty level, what we were shooting for is pretty much as difficult as installing an external monitor on your PC. Wow. So if you've done, if you've ever, you know, installed a new monitor 
onto your PC or attached to your TV to your PC, congratulations. You now have the skill set required to do these types of virtual backdrops. And that's a significant accomplishment. That's something that's taken us a full three years to get there. And that's 50 deployments that we've done with this type of technology, figuring out this is what we do need. This is what we don't need. This is the part that's really difficult. This is the part that people are having no problem with. And, uh, you know, running, doing it the hard way, basically, and getting to this point in this technology. Isn't that so? I know you guys are so much more advanced on the evolution of AR and VR, where you've come, Renee, you've done a tremendous job with AR. But to simplify, you know, we could go on to Zoom right now, change our background screens, same thing, but on a much junior level to have beaches, libraries, Congress, your own photos, choosing any photo you have or download. The premise seems the same because we could all go on on Zoom and put any background we want on here. In essence, it is almost a virtual green screen that Zoom's now using. You're absolutely right in that one of the great things that's happening right now is that virtual backdrops and virtual backgrounds are are having a heyday and people are really starting to think about this space. Our market that we're going towards is specifically people who are making professional live stream content or traditional broadcast content and want to do something at at a higher level, something that, you know, a Zoom call that's using like a, a machine learning algorithm to separate you from the background, it's going to look jaggy and it's going to look a little bit weird. And it's going to look, you know, you won't be able to move that camera and have the effect that you would hope to have. So with our technology, we resolve those issues because it's actual photons coming out of the screen hitting you, hitting the lens, and then ultimately getting rendered into that frame. And that's a that's a really huge simplification. And right now, to give you a sense, in order to like meet that type of challenge, people are generally spending about $100,000 to do a you know, mid-level setup at a small soundstage or something like that. So we're plummeting that cost down over 90% uh, for people to be able to bring this at home. Amazing. One thing, too, I think that a lot of people should look at when they hear this podcast is, Renee, is your presentation at NAB 2018 with Interactive Reflection Technology. If you don't think that something's behind you in a picture and you're able to, you know, take away light in that actual reflection, you feel like it is actually there. I mean, talk about that. That is some amazing technology. Thank you. So that was created in partnership with AMD, one of the large microprocessor companies. And they have a similar interest to us, which is how do you blur the line between the digital world and the physical world? So the technology that you're talking about, Joe, was meant to address this question of, okay, I'm a traditional cinematographer. I like, you know, light film and TV. So I want to be able to turn on a physical light and have that light spill into the virtual environment so that I can begin to affect the virtual backdrop in the same way that I'm affecting a physical space. So IRT was meant to be the prototype, the proof of concept to show that we have accomplished that task, which is essentially you can turn on a physical light. Let's say, you know, you turn on a bright red light and give me a strong red hue on my face and then behind me, where you would expect to see that red light spilling into the background, but it's not because it's a virtual space. Instead, it would successfully spill that red light into that background. And that's a fundamental shift because ultimately, at the end of the day, 
we can create the best technology in the world, but if people don't know how to use it, and if you know, I can't go to an Emmy-winning uh, cinematographer and say, this is how you actually plug into this workflow, then that, that cinematographer is never going to use this technology. But if I can give him a path and say, you know what, on the first try, we're going to make it easy for you and allow you to do your traditional workflow, then all of a sudden it becomes something that this person can fold into either one sequence or even multiple sequences in a show. Renee, what are you guys working? I mean, how long has ARWA been around? And what are you guys working on that? I mean, I know we've been in COVID. I know people were out of production. Is there anything coming up that you could talk about that we have looked forward to besides some of the stuff we've discussed so far? Yeah. So we're about four years old as a company. I've been working for the company for about four years. So we started in late 2016 and we've launched our product a year after starting the company. So we've been to market for about three years and done over 50 deployments. I'm very happy to say that we can count some of the major studios among our clients. And I think moving forward, there's a couple things happening. One is we're looking at hybridizing and integrating virtual production technologies, which are generally separated. For example, LED backdrops and green screen and depth king are three of the major ways that you put people into CG worlds. And those have been pretty separate as disciplines, meaning that if you're an expert in one, you're not necessarily an expert in the other and you're kind of three different worlds. What we're seeing is that the number one request that we're getting from production companies and studios now are systems and teams that can work across these three disciplines and can actually accomplish in a multi-modality of techniques, meaning it's for some shots we're using LED, for some shots we're using green screen, for some shots we're using AI and uh, depth king and depth cameras and that type of stuff. And ultimately we're able to address multiple different modalities on how to accomplish a shot and even hybridize them together. So using LEDs and green screen together. So this is some of the new stuff that we're going to begin announcing in fall 2020, later this year. We're also working on a gaming title, which is really interesting. The recovery of the arcade and location-based entertainment industry has created a huge need for touch-free experiences that don't have headsets or controllers or buttons or joysticks or any of that. And you can imagine there's not many companies working on that right now, unfortunately. We happen to be one of about three in the entire world that are working on creating a long-term solution for this type of technology. Not just one-off, but a long-term actually putting engineering time and solving problems that haven't been solved before for these types of illusions. The main one is the accuracy and speed of gesture-based and motion-based interactivity on these screens. Uh, So we're using motion, gestures, voice, and mobile interaction for these screens. So all of those that I mentioned are completely contactless. You're not touching the hardware. You're not sharing any surfaces with other people or anything like that. The gaming industry more sustainable. Was this created or did you guys come up with this because of, you know, what we've been dealing with with COVID on safety? Or is this something that's been evolving for a while to advance the gaming industry? So it's actually something that we've been, we personally as a company have been working on for about two years prior to the pandemic occurring. And it is the actual technology that won the best AR experience at CES just January, uh, just immediately prior to the crisis beginning. So it's it's funny. I personally 
and a few other people on the founding team, we happen to be germaphobes. And we also happen to get dizzy with VR headsets. However, we love immersive media. So it actually came out of a personal need that we had to address our own desires to engage with this content. And of course, knowing that other people are also germaphobes and also get dizzy in the headsets. So addressing, you know, probably about 60% of the market that isn't addressed by VR headsets with immersive technology on these large screens. So this is kind of where it's innovating because everybody, when, you know, VR news, when all the VR and AR came out years ago, it was a little ahead of the game, but everybody was complaining of their dizzy or their equilibrium and they could not be in those huge chunky headsets. So it was just a natural evolution that someone was going to come in like AR wall to kind of create a more seamless immersive experience without the big chunky headgear and all the motion sensor issues. You're, you're absolutely right. And I don't want to represent, I mean, VR cave experiences and these type of head track experiences have existed for a while, but they're generally quite expensive or they're just not that high quality or they're just not accurate or fast enough to be really fun. You know, there are things that you would see in a museum, that type of thing with a limited use cases. What we're really trying to do is to create a platform that actually makes it comfortable for creators and brands to start thinking about building in this type of space. And that's what other, you know, if you're if you're a VR headset company, that's kind of what your task is, is make this attractive so that other folks come in and get, get excited about this space. So that's what we really see ourselves doing with the caveat that we really want to be using existing hardware as much as possible, existing TVs, existing LEDs. And most retail locations already have these, which is why retail is such a good fit for this technology as well. Are you guys, I mean, I know because we've been tracking like the Samsung headset, Oculus, it's just things are getting, like our phones are getting smaller and smaller and lighter. I just think it was important to move and change the landscaping in VR to get away from all that heavy equipment. So you guys have done a tremendous job on the equipmentless AR experience. Now you and Joe were talking about Star Trek and all the cool sci-fi Trekky stuff. I would assume this is a big hit or going to be in the Comic-Con arena now. Yeah, actually, I did appear at Comic-Con at Home, the virtual Comic-Con earlier this summer. That is actually where we debuted ARFX Home Studio. I was very lucky to be on a panel talking about engaging fandoms during the pandemic. So I think it had a, a tremendously positive reaction. We got a huge number of people interested in the technology after that appearance. And I think that when it comes to putting people, whether they're cosplayers or whether they're celebrities who do appear in in A-list properties, getting them into the world of the franchise is such a key component of like their continued engagement with those fans, particularly now when they can't show up physically and, you know, say hello or, or take photos with them physically. And also there's a depressed bandwidth of content uh, coming out, just a, just a lower amount of content being generated at the moment. I think it's, it's really key for celebrities for creators in this space, for entertainers and hosts in general, to start thinking about taking personal responsibility and engaging with their fans, placing themselves into these franchises and worlds at home. And that's really what ARFX Home Studio is meant to address, is that this kind of new need. And if you think about it from a perspective of just like pure real estate, 
every sound stage, once the pandemic began, every sound stage became massively devalued. And everybody's home studios and hopes that like, Joe, I see uh, I happen to have a video monitor of you right now. And I see you in your home <laughs> in a makeshift recording studio. Uh, and I have the same thing. And, that, you know, these spaces that are in our homes where we're creating professional content have just skyrocketed in potential value. And I think ARFX Home Studio is just a way to realize that potential value into actual value that's actually helping you produce content. And that's interesting. Uh, I brought this question up with someone else before, but do you think with the technology, with the, the devaluation of the studios, that we see more things like fan films and stuff like that? I mean, they're easier to make now more than ever. I think you're definitely going to see a lot more ancillary content. Something that we're already seeing right now is things like if you're familiar with The Talking Dead, which the show about the show, like a talk show that usually airs after that type of stuff is becoming quite popular because they need to address additional programming time with those stars for those fans. But they can't exactly add uh, additional episodes at the moment right now or just like press on the accelerator to get more episodes or running time out. So a lot of that type of content is is something that we're going to see increase. And a lot of that is fan creative. I mean, like tradition, if you think traditionally, those types of discussion talk shows are with fans, right? It's fans talking among themselves, maybe on, you know, I guess what decades ago would have been like on cable access, you know, talking about this show or that show or that event. And now it's people on Twitch So we're doing quite a bit of work with Twitch shows who are looking to fill that gap in, you know, the low end TV broadcast content that isn't getting renewed right now. Gosh, that advertising money could go immediately to a Twitch live stream that has a couple, you know, influencers on that. So we're seeing a lot of that movement happening right now. The other thing that we're seeing is brands stepping in where let's say studios and networks, they're starting to get squeezed for a number of different reasons financially. And brands, let's say, you know, in the automation space, in the even in the hygiene and medical space, they're seeing a new reality and a new paradigm for their businesses right now. And in order to communicate that message, they're looking for virtual production and immersive experiences to fill that gap for them. I have a question for you, Renee, because I know we're talking about the home, your home theater experience, your home kit. Are you looking at potentially taking this out and packaging it to big box retailers so almost anybody could turn their home into a virtual studio? Is your consumer price points low enough to bring it to the consumer market through like a Best Buy or somewhere? Absolutely. So it's under $10,000. $9,500 is the the pre-order price right now. And That's absolutely within the realm of a prosumer who maybe is uh, looking to purchase a high-end camera can instead think, well, I could take that same amount of cash and invest it into learning virtual production, becoming familiar with this future tool that's going to become very important in filmmaking. For those creators that have done pre-orders, that's generally the way that they're looking at it. They want to become masters of this new form of filmmaking. And it's interactive. It's easy. And that makes it really something that a mass audience of of creators could potentially uh, get involved with. And I think I can say that we are having conversations with some larger dealers in this space to bring this to a larger market. Okay, so 
Renee, I so appreciate you coming on and talking to us. It's always good to talk to you about the innovation behind AR and VR and what AR has been doing. You've done some great stuff. For anybody out there of our readers who need to contact you, our big brand, studio people, producers, how can they find you? Where can they go to find more information? Absolutely. So our website is arwall.co. And uh, you can reach us at hello at arwall.co. You can also find us on social media, on YouTube, on our website. We've got videos, we've got news and, you know, links to what the work that we've been up to. Uh, But social media is also a really good way to connect with us, particularly Facebook. We tend to be pretty active in responding to people there. And if you're interested in seeing a demo or learning more about how the technology actually works, We have videos that we can send you. You can email us with specific interests. We'll be happy to send those to you. Perfect. Renee, thank you so much for your time today. This is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment with Media Mavens and my co-host, Joe Pirate. We are about talk to us at MediaMavens.com. But Renee, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. And we'll see everybody next week when we drop another podcast on Wednesday. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.